Welcome back, everyone. This is Discussing Who, and on this episode, we will be discussing and reviewing the very first Doctor Who Christmas special, which was, of course, the Christmas special called The Christmas Invasion. So let's get right into introductions. So let's start with Clarence Brown. Mr. Brown, how are you? I'm doing quite great and glad to be back on the normal cadence. Um, we had a convention that we went to this past weekend in Tupelo, the Tupelo Titan Con. And, uh, yeah, we're back and, uh, back into the swing of things. Absolutely. And we had a Doctor Who panel. So had an, a few people come and talk to us about what we anticipate for 2018 Doctor Who, but Indeed. now we're sliding right back into 2005, which is kind of fun. I love this episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, uh, just to hit on kind of things we talked about at the panel, it was, it was cool to kind of talk about, you know, what we thought of Jodie Whittaker and, uh, actually the timetable for the next season. So some good stuff and glad to be back on the podcast. Absolutely. And also glad to be back with us. I hope he's glad to be on with us another week in a row. Mr. Lee Shackelford. I am glad to be back. Always glad to be on discussing who. Cool, because I'm always glad, and I know Clarence is always glad to have you. We're just one big freaking happy family. Exactly. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, you know, this is, I'm actually, I know we've got some news, but I mean, I am really excited about getting in and talking about this episode. Yes, yes. But you know what? I almost forgot to introduce myself, um, because I always have a habit of doing that. So I am Kyle Jones, and welcome back. Yes, we know who you are. (laughs) Yeah, make me feel like I'm Harriet Jones, Prime Minister. As long as you don't make bad decisions. Oh yeah, Ooh. that was a bad decision. Yeah, yeah. don't make the <laughs> don't make the doctor angry. That's all I can say. Oh, there you go. So uh, let's get into the news because, like I said, I want to get into this uh, com- you know episode itself. So, Lee, you brought up the fact that Christopher Eccleston has been are going to be. At, in a convention or have a convention appearance. So what do you know about that? Yeah. And, you know, I was just looking at the, uh, the details about that and, uh, had to close my browser all of a sudden. Uh, where is he going to be? Um, London Comic-Con. It's London's ah. Comic-Con 2018. Yeah. Huh. And, um, yeah, but he has never done a convention appearance before, not for Doctor wow. Who or for anything. And, you know, this is a guy with what's going on now, uh, like a 25 year, you know, television and film career. So, um, that's, uh, that's clearly been a choice of his. Why is he, who persuaded him? Who has blackmailed him? What, you know, we, we don't know. <laughs> But he is uh, breaking form to, um, yeah, when I got that news, my first thought was people are ice skating in hell because <laughs> I was pretty sure he said no way, no how. But here he is. So um, that's going to be this summer. Uh, still trying to find out the details about this. Digital Spy says making his first appearance ever. He's also going to be. Uh, Peter Capaldi is going to be there, and so is Pearl Mackey. Oh, sweet. So, yeah. Um, when yeah. is that? Anyway. So, so let me ask you guys a question about that. Let's assume for a moment that we were going to be in Britain at that particular time, and we had the opportunity to go to this con. Would you want to see him? No question. Oh, yeah, no absolutely. Question. Yeah. And and, yeah. and and so would I. But my but my wonder will be, 
how will fans act in regards to him? Will there be a portion that will resent him because of his not appearance in Day of the Doctor, his, you know, not appearing in uh, any type of cons, which I guess in a way that's his choice to either do or not do, right? Yeah. I think he's got to know that there's some people who are going to be yeah. certainly smart alecky, uh, and, um, forget their manners. But I, I like to, I, I hope that people are going to be, going to be nice to him, just going to be glad to see him. Um, I finally found the, uh, the, the webpage for the, uh, for the convention. This is uh, July 27th through the 29th at the London Olympia. Um, and, um, yeah, he's going to be there for one day, which I guess is the 29th of July. And um, his autograph price is 95 pounds. Mm. Interesting. Curious if it says how much, or it would be curious to know maybe for a future episode, in comparison, how much signing price would be for Capaldi. Yeah. Uh, well, he's also there, too. I, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> his, his photo shoot price is 65 pounds, and his autograph price is 75 pounds. Interesting, interesting. But then again, and I'm being facetious here, but he is not as an experienced actor. Oh, there you go, Cal. There you go. (laughs) That really rubbed me. I'm sorry. You can't let it go, dude. I know know, because that rubbed me the wrong way, literally. Yeah, I I get it, but but it's it's also he's just saying he's more experienced than Billy Piper, which is true. I mean, true. I give him that, but. yeah, so sometimes being literal uh, is not the 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 best way to convey a message. <laughs> right. Uh, but but yeah, he kind of spoke the truth, but he could have been more gracious in his uh, delivery. There you go. True. But in any case, none of these actors are are more <laughs> experienced than than Peter Capaldi, who has been doing this since he yeah. was a kid. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, well, kudos to him. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah, ma- yeah. maybe he's I think it's, embracing. Well, yeah. it's going to, it's really going to take some courage for him to step out there. I think, uh, so yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think the thing that we could hope most from him attending this convention is that maybe he is, has kind of turned a leaf on his, uh, perspective of the show and even maybe returning to the show for a special or something. So I, it, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think that's what we're all hoping. Yeah. I, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would love to see, you know, an interaction, whether it's with 13, whether it's eventually with 14, whether it's, you know, mm-hmm. at another uh, anniversary special or what may it be, or just a one-off Christmas something. Who knows? I, would, I wouldn't I would mind seeing him because we haven't had that opportunity to see him return like we did with David Tennant. So. Yeah, agreed. So I think one of you mentioned, and if... uh if I'm wrong in this, just say so and, you know, we'll move forward to the next topic. But something about the un- un- Unearthly Child script, was it up for auction or? Uh, yeah, the script for the very first episode of Doctor Who, as used by the first Doctor himself, William Hartnell, is being auctioned next month. Uh, that's an Unearthly Child, 43 pages long. And, yeah, it's going to be up for auction at the hmm, Antiques Roadshow. Isn't that like a PBS show? <laughs> yeah, which ultimately started, uh, I believe, in Britain. Huh, yeah, I believe I didn't so. Know that. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Think so. So going back a little bit further than 2005, let's go back to the Target novelizations of the Doctor Who stories. And now Target novels are coming out with new Doctor Who stories, most notably now Rose, The Christmas Invasion, and The Day of the Doctor. Specifically, I want to mention The Day of the Doctor because we started <laughs> yeah. uh, talking about this before we actually decided to hit the record button. <laughs> Something I don't like. Uh, um, anyone well, care to kind of fill everybody in that's listening? Well, I, 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 uh, to be fair, I skimmed an article about this. <laughs> and, and, you know, and you know you can't read everything uh, that you see. Uh, but, uh, I mean, you can't believe everything you read, <laughs> but, uh, um, but yeah, apparently this is Stephen Moffat writing his, the novelization of his script, of course, the day of the doctor and in the somewhere, if I understand this right, somewhere in the continuity of the story, the doctor, while in the 1960s on earth makes friends with Peter Cushing <laughs> <sighs> And as a friend, as a favor to a friend, he arranges for him to be the star of two movies called Doctor Who and the Fill in the Blank. So that sort of canonizes – it doesn't canonize the Doctor Who movies, but it brings the actor Peter Cushing into the canon. Yeah. Clarence, I think you if you would you mind repeating what you said earlier because yeah. you said Although it, the groans are eloquent. Yeah, I'm not sure it could be as genuine as it was earlier, but I will say it what why do we need this? What prompted Davis to Davies to write this in? It's just something that I think people have generally accepted that this uh, those movies are just another thing as Kyle said earlier <laughs> he tries to block them out of his mind so i mean wh- why why the need to try to shoehorn <laughs> this other piece of thing over here into uh the canon of of what we all know and love i don't know maybe it, to make not, us have this conversation what sure and we're doing it right so we're already selling copies of the book uh, yeah so I guess. yeah but, uh, but it, it's significant. It's, it's, you, you said Davies, but it's, it's, it's not RTD. This is, this is Stephen Moffat. Oh, this is Moffat. Okay. Sorry. And what that makes me think of is the BBC's Sherlock. And I know mm-hmm. how he and Mark Gatiss, how they, how they loved digging through the Sherlock Holmes canon to find things to seed and to plant and to refer sideways to in the Sherlock's. And it's just there as, as fan service, of course, to those of us who know the, the original stories. It's, it, 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 sometimes they serve no purpose in the episode of the show at all, other than to sort of wink at us. And I have to think this is what he's doing. Yeah. He's got an opportunity to acknowledge the fact that we've always had these two <laughs> movies that aren't yeah. canonical, but they'd say Doctor Who on them. And so it's his opportunity to, you know, put them somewhere to come up with some kind of explanation for that. But as I'm talking, it just occurred to me, one of those films also stars Bernard Cribbins. Um, so who was later Wilf, of course. Uh, so <laughs> oh, yes. now I've got to, now I got to read the book to see if we're also going to explain how that guy is in two places at the same time. Yeah. But <laughs> of course, so he looks, it was 40 years earlier, so he looks nothing yeah. like, you know, but still. So the target novels are considered canon. I guess they are. Uh, well, in the past, they were always, well, they've always been out and out um, adaptations of uh, episodes of the show. So, uh, 
Um, yeah, I always saw the Target novels more as this is DVD, this is Netflix for a time when those things did not exist. That's right. They're they're basically DVD extras. Yeah, you know. That, that's uh, I guess that's how I've always thought of it too. Yeah. yeah, you're 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 reading the story and you're seeing the story in an age when you didn't have the ability to go back and watch it at leisure and on demand and whenever you want to. You know. Yeah. Um. Here, here's what I'll say about the fan service part. I, either on this show or on Podshock, I have probably said before, I'm all about the fan service. I think I've said that in a recent Moffat episode that I was like, oh, I love the fan service. This is a fan disservice. I don't care about these two freaking movies. <laughs> so there, I just said it. Oh, boy. <laughs> I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I think there's exactly one thing that I love about the, the Peter Cushing Doctor Who movies is that they both have this little girl in them who is, who is called Susan. And, um, that's, <laughs> For, for, yeah, for us as fans of the classic series, that's just a little weird, but they are not related in any way. But sort of the, the off camera story is that she and Peter Cushing got to be great friends and they stayed friends for the rest of his life. And that sometimes she, she still fondly remembers that sometimes he would just call her up on the phone to see how she's doing, which I think is the huh. sweetest thing. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. But yeah, apart from that, I couldn't care less about these dumb movies. <laughs> Hulu so. Grand Moff Tarkin can be so sweet. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and this has, and this is totally a side note before we uh, get into um, the actual review. There is a part in our Superman versus Batman uh, review, and this goes back to 2016, probably in the first five or six episodes that we did of this show. And there is one point where I go, well, leave, what did you think of this movie? And your response is, I absolutely hated this movie. <laughs> yeah, so, that's right. Anyways. That was, yeah. That was Batman V Superman. Wasn't it? Yes, it yeah. was. <laughs> but I'll tell you what's not uh Batman versus Superman. And before uh, we go any further, if you have not seen the Christmas Invasion. Put us on pause. You know what's coming. Put us on pause. Go watch the episode because from henceforth, spoilers. 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 So, and is it possible, seriously, to be a Doctor Who fan and to have never seen the Christmas Invasion? Uh, maybe. Yeah. I don't. I, no. Uh, although I was I was asking myself that question today because I said I know at one point Kyle's going to say spoilers, but I thought, is it really necessary? But we've just been talking with Nicole Nicole Maza who who came to the show via Torchwood, yeah. and so right. to start with, she watched all of the sh the Doctor Who's that had Captain Jack in them. So <laughs> so yeah, of course it's possible. Anyway. Well, she may she, she may have watched this one for that Doctor Who. I mean, uh, Torchwood reference maybe. Well, that's true. This is, uh, this is the first time we really get a sense of what Torchwood is or might be. That, that's very true. Yeah. So did you guys, before, um, we got actually into the Christmas invasion, yesterday I sent the five or eight minute Children in Need from 2005 mini. So did you guys get a chance to watch it? Yes, I did. I did. Yeah. And I remember seeing it when it, um, I guess the first time it was released, maybe it was a DVD extra on the, christmas invasion dvd 
That may be where I saw it the first time. But anyway, and then, of course, when you shared it, I, I watched it again. But, uh, yeah. So, so Clarence, I'll let you take this one first. What did you think of that interaction? Uh, I kind of feel like it just kind of droned on for a while. Uh, I, I love Rose's reservations of, of accepting this doctor, this new guy. And it also explains why we aren't in Barcelona, I guess. Uh, and and also, yeah, and also why the TARDIS came in, uh, uh, guns a blazing, uh, into London there, uh, at the beginning of the next episode. So it did have some good tidbits to explain some of the stuff we missed in that gap. But, uh, I don't, I don't know if I really like the interaction between Rose and, and, uh, Tenet. It kind of droned on to me. I don't know. But, all right. What did you think, Lee? Yeah, kind of the same thing. It is a much gentler introduction to him. You you get more of who he's going to be, and in some ways, it undercuts the mystery yeah. the, uh, of what we're what we're you know we're going to know of the Christmas invasion. Um, so I I assume. Do you know if if the idea if if they shot it this way and then. In the editing suite, they had the conversation that we're having. We're saying, I don't know, this is a little long. It makes him too gentle here. We're finding out too much about him. Let's cut yeah. that out and just go straight to the TARDIS crashing. Let's just do that. Yeah. And and, and some of the answers we got in the episode itself, uh, he's steady asking his question, uh, who am I? And mm-hmm. he kind of goes into that a bit in that preview, which I thought, because I have to admit, I watched it after I watched the episode again. So the episode was fresh in my mind. I'm like, oh, this is some of this is an episode. Why are we reviewing it before we actually dive in? It felt out of place a bit. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Because, yeah. see, I, I saw it years and years ago. And then, you know, I've watched it beforehand. And I actually paid more attention, believe it or not, to Rose than I did mm. him. And, and it's funny uh-huh. that both of you have paid more attention, I think, a little bit to some of the things he said. And, and I think I know why I paid attention to Rose. And I actually, Clarence, kind of took up for your girl, uh, Clara, a little bit. The interaction that Rose had with him of not thinking that was the same was echoed again a little bit with Clara uh-huh. and Capaldi. Yep. But I think in Rose's case, it was kind of just thrown on her. Um of course, we've uh, reiterated again and again, Clara should have known. Uh, but but yes, uh, pretty much the same sentiment uh, with, the, with the roles there. And one thing else I will mention, we find out what happened to Captain Jack in this mini clip that we would not have found out had, you know, and yes. I'd forgotten that little mention was in there. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's an assumption. I think there's no way he could possibly know that. But yeah, exactly. So we go into the Christmas invasion and we see... At the very, very beginning of this episode, you know, we see, uh, Mickey, we see Jackie and <laughs> they, they're hearing the sound and they come running just like they always do. And then here crashes, you know, the TARDIS and out pops Rose and then out comes the doctor. So <laughs> what did you guys think? And since I gave the last one to Clarence Lee, I'll let you take this one first. That initial scene where before the credits begin where they, you know, arrive and they crash and then it's the doctor, doctor who, 
Where, what did you got? What did you think of that? I remember that when it aired. I just, I just remember loving this, this, um, this Christmas special so much from beginning to end. I just, and 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 it gets off to this great start of of hearing Jackie say, "Yeah, but Doctor Who," <laughs> in, into the opening titles, and whee, yeah, just, just lovely. All right, Clarence, what did you think? Oh man, what jumped out to me with this part is, I think we he actually calls. Uh, Mickey, Mickey, yes, instead he of does. Ricky. Yes, he does. So, so that really jumped out to me, as well as seeing Tenet in Eccleston's clothing. It mm-hmm. just looked weird to me. Yeah, I was like, those, those don't fit too well. They're kind of uh, hanging <laughs> and sagging, and yeah, a change of outfit is needed. Yeah, totally. <laughs> what about you, Cal? All right. So here, here was my thing. The first thing I noticed was something that I've not noticed before, which was where they landed, the wall right behind where they landed of when he and Rose come out is the same wall where he's standing by at the end of time, where he's seeing Rose into th- at what is supposed to be January the 1st, 2005. So, um, Right before, you know, he meets the Ood out there in that open area. That's the same, you know, wall there. And I thought Uh. that was really cool. The interaction that we just talked about of the, you know, what do you mean that's the Doctor? Doctor Who, we see this again in deep breath, except this time it is Clara saying Rose lines. And it is Jenny who says the thing that... um Camille Kaduri or uh, Jackie said. So that was really cool. Mm-hmm. And another uh, one-off there was in Deep Breath, which is kind of going a little bit sideways here. The thing that was said in Deep Breath by Vastra was, well, here we go again. Same thing that the Brigadier said back in the change between three and four. So I really liked and forgot how just at the beginning of this regenerated Doctor Who, they were giving that fan service that uh, some of this stuff that we kind of forget about, but that was really cool to see. Yeah, and and we mentioned before about how um, the TARDIS just kind of blends in when it's just sitting there. Uh, people really don't pay it no mind. But you know, when it's flying in uh, <laughs> at <laughs> crazy speeds and running into buildings, and at this point, we see where Mickey and Jackie can obviously hear it from a long ways away. But, you know, nobody else really cares. And it's crashing in the buildings. Nobody runs to the spot <laughs> except them, you know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right. And it, it's it's in the courtyard of the council estate. So there's there's a thousand people who live nearby. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, no. yeah. And I guess we're just supposed to say, hmm. And just keep going. Exactly. <laughs> so what about um, when we get to, um, you know, they take him to Jackie's apartment. And, you know, so he's they've obviously changed his clothes and he's, uh, you know, laying there catatonic, so to speak. And Rose is doing the two hearts. And then Jackie makes her joke. I mean, it was like, are you totally I mean, that was just totally uh... Jackie. Anything else he's got two of? Yes. It's yeah. a great <laughs> Jackie moment. Jackie yeah. never disappoints. Yeah, because <laughs> I was thinking about I'm, I'm, I'm in my nightgown, you know, from yeah. that very first 
episode and then it's like anything else he's got two of and i'm like really boy well yeah hands feet eyes sure go see discovery klingons yeah (laughs) hello that's right so it does make you wonder how they got him out of the um you know out of the costume and into the uh in the pajamas yeah yeah uh, I'm assuming Mickey did that for for vanity's sake. Maybe so. Maybe so. So Mickey's the one who knows. But yeah. yeah. Uh, so but yeah. And I guarantee you, there's some fan fiction written about them getting oh out boy. of the, the oh nice well, doctor's costume. Where's Jack when you need him? <laughs> yes. Yeah. And Jack would say, "I got this." Yeah. Step so, aside. So I have a question for you guys. Um, at at this point. Uh, basically, you know, we're at the very beginning, the doctor's catatonic and right about the time that we got past this scene that we're just referring to, I, I specifically wrote down a question that I wanted to ask you guys, which is, did either of you notice that even this early in that particular story while you're watching, did you f- get a feeling that the production value or the money that they had to spend had been raised? For this episode? Oh, yes. Hmm. Oh, yes. All right. And I've been feeling its absence ever since. But, but watching this again, I just thought of all the CG that's in this episode. Just yeah. there's so much and so many things that are built, especially for it. And the, the whole interior. And they built a lot of that exterior. Well, no, when we go up to the top of the Sycorax ship, that's a, that's a location, I know. Um, wow. Which, which is kind of fun that they, they made it look like the top of a, you know, a, a slag heap so they could then go out in the slag heap and shoot the, that, that fight out in the sun. <laughs> Got a but, um, yeah, but, uh, but there's, but there's CG models there, you know, there's all those things. Uh, you know, they did not have any actors actually go up and stand on the edge of the roofs of all these buildings, you know, so those are some people standing on a, sta- on a sound stage and then the, the building was inserted into that shot. You have to, you know, think about it. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's just a, a bunch of stuff like that. Um, so much, so much. For a full animated sequence of the, the Guinevere being sucked into the Sycorax ship and all that stuff. Yeah. It's going to be a while before we see anything like, uh, an episode like that again. It's just, it was, it was, it was expensive. So, so what do you think, Clarence? Did you notice anything or did it feel the same as the parting of the ways? Uh, two things that jump out, jumped out at me is the cigarette ship, especially. I love the design of it. Uh, it wasn't conventional spaceship. Uh, mm-hmm. they took liberty to make it more organic looking, I guess, uh, to Lee's point to have it be a part of a set <laughs> or <laughs> actual place. Uh, so I, I thought that was pretty genius. And I like the, the transporter effect, uh, straight out of Star Trek. So. Oh yeah, yeah. that's right. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Uh, now that you said that, it reminded me of something I noticed uh, watching it this last time that I had never noticed before. And I've seen this special many times. But when, um, skipping to the end, when the Torchwood beams hit the Sycorax ship, uh-huh. we get from in that shot of the Sycorax ship, we're kind of, our point of view is kind of looking down on it, looking down at the mountain that's on top of the ship. And for a minute, it goes volcanic. There's red lava huh. that flows out of the mountain. Go back and look at it. There's, there's, there's lava coming out of it, and then boom, it all blows up. Wow. <laughs> it's, some, wow. some animator had, had some fun adding that little detail, <laughs> but it's, I've never noticed it before. All right. So, so you guys are going to and- find oh, – go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, uh, one thing I want to add is the uh, the regeneration energy 
Um, yeah. Not not only did we get the scene at the end of the last episode, but it played a part in in this episode as well as uh, loose regeneration energy floating in the space. Uh, maybe somebody can explain that to me because I was actually confused <laughs> on why he was leaking regeneration energy and also. Has that really occurred post-regeneration again? Yes, and I don't I don't know why it was floating off into space. That made absolutely no sense to me. <laughs> and yes, it's happened again in the 11th hour, but it didn't have an impact slash effect like it did in this episode. Uh, uh, because I, this, because this, I can this rem- is our first. Uh, go ahead. No, no, no. I was just going to say I could I can picture Matt Smith's eleventh Doctor climbing out of the TARDIS, and as he looks over at Amelia, he you know like opens his mouth and coughs or something, and it's that same <sighs> same. That's energy. right. That's right. <laughs> the Archron burp. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's our first regeneration in New Who, and and I think. Um, as showrunner, uh, RTD has taken the opportunity to um, to set some new rules. I mean, this we, we've never heard before this thing about, tw- you know, luckily I'm still within the first 15 hours of my regeneration. Yeah. And classic fans are saying, what? <laughs> okay, whatever. But we've always taken this stuff in stride. I mean, the, the, the whole transition from the fourth Doctor to the fifth is just weird and has, you know, that has never been done before or, or since. Since. So, uh, but, the, uh, but, <laughs> um, and it doesn't make any sense and I defy anybody to explain it to me, but, um, yeah. So uh, clearly we can make up the rules as we go along here. And, um, yeah. Uh, and, and, and anybody who saw the last Jedi, uh, uh, astral projection and Mary Poppins, you know that we can create stuff, uh, as the, the, the story moves along and the, the uh, the property progresses. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, never stop setting the rules. Yeah. So interesting for me that when I ask about the production value, you both went to the special effects and the scenery and the sets. And for me, when I was looking and actually wrote that down, I actually was referring to from, from what caught my attention that Mickey and Rose looked like they had an actual makeup artist, you know, or something that they, mm. that, that they're, um, that they weren't using old, um, you know, costumes that were being reused, that this was actually, you know, I don't know. They just looked so much different huh. for some reason. I didn't hmm. notice that. Yeah. Or if I did, it was really subconscious. Now, now Jackie gets several changes of costume. I noticed true. Uh, but, um, yeah. But yeah, now that you say that, um, uh, when actors appear on screen, that's expensive, you know. The, and the more people you have in it, that costs money. And there's yeah. a lot of people oh, in this, yeah. right? So um, <laughs> I did notice that a lot of the Sycorax are CG because um, if you if you look at some of the shots inside the ship of the giant mass of them, that whole <laughs> sort of cathedral choir of Sycorax, some of them are, shall we say, very attentive. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> so. So, so so here was something that I found really dated, and it's interesting that this is new who, and we're actually able to go back and say, oh, this is feeling dated. Uh, I wrote down busy signals and no call waiting when, when she was trying to call her mother. Yes, get off the phone. Hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that struck me too. Yeah, when was the last time you said, 
you know, to somebody who can't hear you, get off the phone. (laughs) And another one, and Clarence, for some reason, this made me think of you, and I think it's because it's tech related, but uh, when... Um, not Mickey. Yeah, Mickey came in and said, Jackie, I'm using the phone line to use the computer. And I was like, okay, this is dial up. And she makes <laughs> mm-hmm. the reference, just keep count of it. And I'm like, okay, you're, 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 you're obviously you're not having unlimited internet. You're using yeah. it by the minute. Yeah. Oh man. Don't, don't we remember those days? <laughs> yes. Those were the days. Yeah. I'm glad we didn't have to listen to him log in. Exactly. Oh. <laughs> My ears. Exactly. <laughs> So what about, since this was a Christmas episode, any thoughts about killer Santas and killer Christmas trees? <laughs> this is, I, I think this has got to be RTD's little, little joke that he, he kept coming back to. It is the something you love about Christmas that kills. Is, is this time we got Santas that kill, and then we got the Christmas tree that kills. Uh, next year, it's going to be the star that kills. And then what all else? Well, there's more Santas that kill. Um, oh, my God. Yeah. yeah, you expect the Christmas crackers to blow the, the council estates apart. And, you know, it's just, <laughs> I, I, I have always loved that Christmas tree. That's, it's just silly and weird. Yes. I mean, it's it's a very ineffective way of killing somebody to deliver a killer tree to their house and then go away. But you know, but still, it's what fun! What a what a fun! Well, well, a few thing, a few things I noticed was uh, Mickey has seemed to have gotten a little more brave since the first season, which I quite enjoyed. Um, he's trying to fend yeah. off the the uh, the tree. And as well as one of my, well, hands down, my favorite line in the whole show is Jackie says, I'm going to get killed by a Christmas tree. <laughs> kind of, kind of squeaks it out. <laughs> I love that. I'm going to get loud. killed by a Christmas tree. It's so good. Yeah. So good. And she glad made you... it believable. Yes, exactly. This is, <laughs> that's really how that would sound <laughs> if that realization is dawning on your own. <laughs> this is what's going to be in the paper about me. The London but... <laughs> Christmas tree massacre. <laughs> but I'm glad you mentioned about uh, how Mickey handles all this because he's standing there with that chair as it's getting ground down, you know, yeah. uh, he's going to hold it to the last minute and, uh, you know, defending the, defending the ladies and the doctor there. But, um, in a, a couple episodes back, we were talking about another episode and, while I was watching that, I started thinking about Christmas Invasion, and I couldn't resist, so I watched Christmas Invasion too. And <laughs> and then I conflated the two episodes in my mind because I don't remember what we were talking about. Now it may have been as recently as Bad Wolf, but I no, I think it was Boomtown. Anyway, I think it was yes, I think it was Boomtown because I I said in the episode, and remember, I love this moment in this episode where where uh, Mickey says I'm not that brave, and Rose smiles at him and says I don't know about that. And that wasn't in that episode. It's in Christmas Invasion. <laughs> but, um, but anyway, but still, I love that moment. Um, she, she acknowledges the change in him. Yeah. And, and it's nice. Yeah. And, and, and it's obvious that he and Jackie have grown as mm-hmm. characters. Yeah. And, and Mickey is still trying, man. He is still trying it's... to win Rose over. Um, he says something to the effect, um, you can rely on me. I don't go changing my face all the time or something, something to that mm-hmm. effect. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that's so good. He, he is trying so hard, um, to, to gain Rose's affection and, uh, just feel sorry for the guy. <laughs> yeah, me too. I mean, mm-hmm. 
I, I mean, is it is it a point to where he's gone from looking, you know, uh, debonair to desperate? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I don't want him to be desperate. <laughs> no, no, but. But what a what a touching moment when uh, you know the, the Jackie and Rose are kind of by the doctor's bedside, you know, like and 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 Mickey says, "You love him, don't you?" And she can't answer him, and it's not because she doesn't know, but mm. she she can't say it to him, so she puts her arms around him. It, it's yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it's 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 kind of a perfect moment. It's it's really beautiful. Yeah, it is, it, and, and and it was, and it and it and it. Yeah, I, I agree there. Yeah. It's, so, so guys, we've talked about how the Sonic has been used, um, especially hereafter in the episodes as, as a weapon of, 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 um, uh, of choice for any situation that they <laughs> might run into. Do we think that the, the Sonic had a jump the shark moment or a moment when we saw it change into something else? And I kind of felt that in this episode when Tenet holds it out. At the people following them to the apartment as if it's a gun. <laughs> I'm like, is this the moment where the, the Sonic kind of goes off the rails? Mm. I don't know. I, yeah, but I mm. don't, but I'm curious, Lee, what I, I've got an opinion, but Lee, I'm mm-hmm. curious to see what you think. Well, yeah, yeah, I, I think if you ask any, any Who fan, we should do this at Hulanta. We should <laughs> start asking people because <laughs> I, I think everybody will have a different answer. Is there mm-hmm. a moment where you think the sonic screwdriver became just a little too much? And, uh, cause I know the showrunners have struggled with this. I mean, in, in the original series, they, they did away with it. Uh, and the fifth doctor, uh, and then six, seven and eight, they didn't have it. And, um, yeah. So I have, I, I'm going to tell you where the, um, sonic jumped the shark and I specifically <laughs> said it the way I just said it. The sonic jumped the shark. Ooh. Is yeah. when the Sonics become shade. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah. that's that's it's way good. past. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's that's oh jumping God. the whole freaking ocean. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, well, and, and I'm on record about this in several places. But if um, if the Thirteenth Doctor's is pink, I'm throwing something at the TV set. <laughs> so. <laughs> Because all, all of us who are fans of the Sarah Jane Adventures know what the real danger here is. Because <laughs> oh, yeah. she had sonic lipstick. Yeah. Oh, my God. Please tell me yes. no. Yes, she did. Please oh, tell she me She did. No. She had the sonic lipstick. Yes. Wow. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, different audience uh, for that. The yeah. podcast is over, guys. Go on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and stay yeah. tuned next time for the continuing story of <laughs> of, of things wow. that make us groan and shake our heads. Yeah. Um, so l- 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 let's think of something that someone eventually did that made us shake our heads and wonder why is Harriet Jones now prime yeah. minister. What yeah. do we think of Harriet's return? Um, it was, that was great fun to watch that again. Cause I, I, uh, <laughs> I, I I don't know if I was just sort of skimming it when I watched it last time, and that's why my memories of it were fragmentary. But I watched it very carefully this time, and um, and I'm a big Downton Abbey fan, so um, I, and so I've been watching Penelope Wilton on that show for years. So this is interesting to come back to her in this role, which is and this is where I, I saw her first, and to 
and to know what a fantastic actor she is. So to sort of watch her, her investment in this role and to, and the, her commitment to the silly joke that she has to explain who she is to everybody. Um, even when she's prime minister, you know, yeah. <laughs> I just think it's hilarious. And even to the Sidorak. It's even to the Sycorax. <laughs> and they say something in Sycorax. And the translator says, yes, we know who you are. <laughs> yeah. yeah, even they said. Um, but watch her face when she has to make that, that killer decision at the end. Oh. She, It's killing her. She doesn't want to do this, but she thinks it's the right thing to do. And that that really got to me. I, I didn't really remember it that way. I thought there was something cavalier about it. And I guess I was remembering the way the doctor responds to it. But she didn't want to do this. She feels like she has no choice. And it's uh, it's gut-wrenching. Um, it's really a terrific moment. So, so if you guys don't mind, let me speculate something for a moment. Mm. I wonder if just in... You, you, because we've we've made reference to several episodes of this rewatch of watching it with a different set of glasses, meaning different set of experiences as human beings for the three of us from where we were when we watched it the first time. And we see Harriet make a decision that is impacting not only herself, but is impacting others, obviously, you know, Britain and knowing that the actions that she has has impact and we're seeing her wrestle with that and not trying to make a joke here, not trying to be political, not trying to be funny. But when we live in a situation where that can be called into question by some of the leaders of today, that maybe that's kind of subconsciously in the back of our head that that influences our look at what she's doing. What do you Clarence? What do you think? (laughs) I don't know. I think throughout history, there is there are times where leadership have to make hard decisions um, and and you stand a chance of becoming the villain. Uh, so I, I don't I don't you know, I, I, she made the hard decision. I don't want to just put it specifically on current times, what's going on now. Good point. But it's, it's, it's just like a historical thing. Um, think of the, the atom bombs. Um, it, where do you go from being the hero to the villain? And this a thin line <laughs> that you can cross. And I don't know. I, I, it feels like she makes the wrong decision here, obviously about the doctor's reaction, but it's not like it's something that hasn't happened before in our own history. Very good. Point. I'm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm glad you said atom bomb because what it made me think of immediately was, yeah, talk about life, life changing experiences. When I was a, a, a very young man, and I had intended to make a, a career in the sciences before I got into the arts. Mm-hmm. I got to go to a conference where one of the speakers was Edward Teller, the uh, you know the, the the nuclear scientist who we, they called him the father of the H bomb. And he was one of the people who got to go to Harry Truman and tell him we have this weapon. Hmm. And the way he was telling it to us in the seventies. You know, I don't know if this is true or not, but this is what he was saying. He said, what we told him was, we have this weapon that will, that can annihilate a city. And what we recommend you do is that you set it off in the air over Tokyo in the middle of the night and night will become day. And then you telegraph the leaders of Imperial Japan and tell them next time it'll be on the ground. Wow. wow. Because they said the only reason for using this horrible thing and actually dropping it on somebody is revenge. And we're better than that. Interesting. So, 
So that was, at least according to Teller, that was the advice from the nuclear scientists. And Truman said, <laughs> his characterization was, Truman said, yeah, what the hell, let's drop it on some people. Oh, uh, man. But, mm. you know, that's... That's how he was remembering it 30 years later and, you know, who knows. But yeah. still, but that, but that's exactly what this made me think of is none of us are in that kind of situation, thank God. What do you do when you're the kind of person who actually has to make those kinds of decisions? And Harriet Jones is. Yeah. Um, and and I, 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 her reasoning is convincing. She says, you know, doctor, I mean, let me give you an example. Two of the people that were in my care died because you were asleep. Yeah. You know, yeah. you come and you go. Uh, we're here. You know, yeah. Good so point. it's easier for you to say this planet's defended. Yeah. No, it isn't. <laughs> At least not by you. So I don't know. It's but it's interesting that the uh, one of the things I was admiring about this script this time was how quickly and how deftly it can go from being light and silly to being uh, that serious to being light again <laughs> and back and forth. It's just yeah. In 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 us as being viewers and following the adventures of the doctor, we don't know what happens in the interim when he's gone. You know, right? Yeah, I guess you have torture for that. <laughs> but, but, but what other things is Earth facing that that we don't see in the show? You know, true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know, we, we I I really enjoyed, and I, I want to back up from her. Um, decision that she had to make i really enjoyed the part where you see rose and harriet be you know reunited so to speak and in that moment because there was a true affection that she had for rose you know it was like rose my dear or rose my darling or whatever it was she said you know it wasn't you know harriet's uh a badass or anything it was she had true affection for rose and the way and pm jones she that's who she is to everybody she's looking after the the right hand man guy and she she she's really concerned about it. She wants to make sure she's got everybody's name right and so on. It just Yeah. Yeah, you just think, "Wow, I I, I wish she was my prime minister." Yeah, the the amount of uh wit that she has and I really loved it when she entered the the I guess the, the um what command center or space control or whatever mm-hmm. and how she just knows everything. The guy's mm-hmm. trying to brief her, like, okay, I already know this. She's on to the next thing. I, I really loved how smart they made her character. <laughs> and the unit guy who has to say, we know those aren't Martians because Martians look completely different. <laughs> yes. yes. Oh, oh, the bubbling scientist who thinks he's out exploring the deepest reaches of space. Yes. And he has his probe and he's thinking he's doing so much. But, oh, man, little do you know. Little yeah. do you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, yeah, I like the part. Harry Jones's autobiography is locked up. Bingo! That was exactly <laughs> yeah. what I was about to say. Okay. That that autobiography. She can't print the autobiography. <laughs> it's got Slovene in it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we get up with the Sidorak, and l- let me ask you guys real quick: We've never seen these villains again, have we? I don't think so. No, they've been run off good and proper. <laughs> so, so why do we think we've never seen them before? Were they bad villains or what? Oh, wow. They're, they, they serve a really good purpose in this episode to, to be like, uh, to be, they, they just seem so brutal and unreasonable that, that we are, we're, we're gonna, yeah, there, there's no defense against something like this. This is our worst nightmare. Um, yeah. Mm. What do you think? Yeah. Right? yeah. I guess we don't know how big their race is. Was that mm. the only, was it only them on the ship? It was a pretty big ship. 
uh, are they located on a planet somewhere? I guess we don't really know the details about them. Hmm. And, and, and they shipped it, they shipped it, get destroyed as it left Earth. So, uh, maybe they don't know to come back. I don't, well, I don't yeah, know. Maybe, maybe that was, that, that's all the Sycorax there are. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder. Yeah. And when you said, you know, how villainous and vile they were, my first thought was to that Dalek. <laughs> Mm, yeah, because they they they've got them beat by a long, long, long mile. Yeah, theater nerds in the audience uh, appreciate the fact that uh, RTD calls them the Sycorax. To Sycorax is the the mother of Caliban in uh, Shakespeare's play The Tempest. Uh-huh. So hmm. there's no reason why they should be calling themselves Sycorax for that reason. But <laughs> but that but that is the name is not original with him. That's that's from Shakespeare, folks. Sycorax. But I, I'm I'm guessing blood control is original. Maybe. Yeah, that's a fun <laughs> idea. Yeah. And, and and since we don't know anything about it, we it that gives the the doctor the opportunity to be the the expert in the room and to dazzle everybody by. Yeah, he, he's not even impressed by it. <laughs> that's old <Yeah>. stuff. <laughs> so it, and I do love how they explained um, with the people on the ledge um, at the brink of committing suicide. I love how they explained it as um, with hypnosis, you can't psychologically um, hypnotize anybody into uh, causing self-harm is their explanation, mm-hmm. which I don't know how true that is, but I thought it was really interesting. <laughs> That, just based on what little I know about real hypnosis, I believe that's true. That you really that that is the limit. That uh, and just as the doctor says, our our instinct for self preservation is too strong. It kicks in. Hmm. So yeah, you you can't hypnotize somebody into walking off the roof. You, you know, um, it's interesting that you say that because if I'm sitting here thinking of any stories or movies that I've seen where <laughs> someone has been hypnotized, it's usually they've been hypnotized not to hurt themselves. It's usually the killer. The, yeah. the killer. They've been That's hypnotized right. to kill someone else. Interesting. Although that, yeah. And, and of all things, that was my introduction to Sherlock Holmes was the uh, the movie. Uh, the Is it The Woman in Green? But where Sherlock Holmes at the climax has, in fact, been hypnotized to walk off the top of a building uh, to his certain death. But, of course, he doesn't because he's smarter than that (laughs) because he's Sherlock Holmes. (laughs) But I remember seeing that movie on late night TV and thinking, I need to find out more about this guy. So there you go. Interesting. Started it all. Yeah. (laughs) So I found something interesting just in the way that the Sidorak referred to Rose as being the yellow girl with the blue box who is speaking for the human race mm-hmm. and you've got to give rose credit for having you know, oh, the so backbone good. to get up there and so good. yes <laughs> to have that to have that speech that she gave yeah she, she's doing what the doctor would do you know oh. she's seen him do it a hundred times you know and uh, yeah yeah i do it, i love that love that moment yeah seeing her stumble through all these these speeches that the doctor has gave over the course of the last season although they made no sense each one of them i had a smile on my face because mm-hmm. i was like oh i remember i remember that's so yeah. good keep going <laughs> yeah that's right it's the season's greatest hits right? yes <laughs> and you know what yes. it was rose's greatest hits too because it reminded that's... me of how great a character she is mm-hmm. yeah oh yeah that's right yeah 
<laughs> and her performance of it is just wonderful that she she builds it all the way up to this this mighty top and then she does kind of a gulp and repeats the last line which is completely <laughs> ineffectual she undercuts everything that she's just done <laughs> yeah so yeah the poor translator guy back there uh, they're laughing at us <laughs> yes <laughs> you are very very funny <laughs> so speaking of that was a perfect segue into my next part mm-hmm. which is the point where you realize that the translator and the speaking are in sync with each other and we're able to universally translate or however you call it in Doctor Who terms the translation matrix there you go it's now you know kicking in and you're getting that realization the doctor is awake the doctor is back yeah I don't completely understand how that's tied to the doctor but I'll go with it for the sake of the story Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, uh, I guess we, we were all saved by, uh, what, uh, a thermos, thermos of tea or something. Um, mm-hmm. it's pretty interesting <laughs> <laughs> and very, very British. The tea is the yeah. answer to everything. <laughs> Rose says it scornfully to her mother, but in the end, of course, Jackie's right. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. once again, but yeah, no, it is my favorite thing in this, in this hour that I love so much. I love it, it, it does get teased out early in the episode that the the Rose says something about um, how we can't understand what the Sycorax are saying. You know, if the Doctor were okay, I'd be able to understand this. But the connection yeah. between him and the so she she sort of sets the ground rules for that that for us early yeah. on. Well done. And, uh, yeah, yeah, that was a very very nice piece of <laughs> of writing to establish that. But it is it's such a dramatic <laughs> moment as we the characters on the screen, we in the audience, we are we also realize. Wait a minute, I know what he just said. Yeah. <laughs> that means yes. Yes, yes. And, oh, yeah. And then they Seriously? slowly turn to the door, mm-hmm. and the door opens, and voila, mm-hmm. Tenth Doctor. Did you miss me? Did you miss me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a moment of immense cool for him, you know. <laughs> and I guess, again, we don't get an explanation for this, but the, the lightning whip thing that we've just seen incinerate two people, the doctor just grabs it, grabs it with his bare yeah. hand. <laughs> so, yeah. like, okay, so he can do that. All right. Yeah, put somebody eye on with that. <laughs> so, and Clarence, I'll let you take this one first. When I was watching that particular scene, and even, so I want to go from anywhere in, that scene that we're talking to up until the moment of them being back on the ground with Harriet. So any of that time between there from the, you know, in the fight and all of that, did you have a moment to where you felt like this is the doctor? Cause sometimes, you know, you don't always have that immediate feeling. Did you, when watching that feel like immediately, this is the doctor? Oh yeah. Easily. He's, he's, a, I mean, we talked about the blood control. I mean, the smartest guy in the room, hands down. I mean, uh, I, I immediately felt that. I did find the swashbuckling, uh, kind of weird, but interesting and fun <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> Bit of a surprise, but yeah. Yeah. So the, I, I mean, I never had any doubt that that was a doctor once he started. Uh, as me and Lee said uh, a couple of days ago, techno babbles uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> of how smart he is in the the blood control, the the um, the the, the um, suicide where they can't harm themselves. When he started spouting all this stuff, I mean, I was completely on board. Okay, what about you, Lee? Yeah, same thing. I uh, yeah, it, it just when he starts doing the motor mouth thing, and and I just noticed on this last pass a bit of British slang that I hadn't caught before. But he when he's describing himself 
you know, am I rude and not ginger? Is that who I am? And, um, and he's got a litany of things that he might be. And then one of the things he says, I don't have the quote exactly, but he says, and judging by the evidence, quite a gob. Um, <laughs> and I'd forgotten God, you know, God means, means mouth. He says, yeah. you know, so, so even he's commenting on the fact that he's talking and talking and talking he says, and judging by the evidence, I'm, you know, I talk a lot. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, that's who I am. And look at this here, the big red button. So what did we think? And I know we've kind of referenced it a little bit where he takes off the hand and he loses the hand. What, what do we think of that? I, of course, re- remember this fondly because uh, my son was 10 years old when we first watched this together. And uh, as a 10, 11-year-old, he just loved – anytime he had something with a long sleeve on, he loved pulling his right hand into it so he couldn't see it <laughs> and slowly inching his hand out so the hand would grow back like that. And I would always say, witchcraft! <laughs> so he could say, oh, yeah. time, time lord. Because <laughs> it is a moment of cool. Yeah. Witchcraft! Time lord. We've never seen anything like that before, but um, yeah. And of course, one of the doctor's hands is just gone, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it just fell down to London, so you we'll may never, never see that again. Yeah, yeah never. It's just gone. It's gone. I mean, we'll never see that hand again. That sword yeah. probably hit somebody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, you might want to put it in a bottle or something, you know. <laughs> if somebody did find it, yeah. They yeah. Should, yeah. Yeah. You know, somebody. They make uh, you pretty smart, too, you know. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Could it, come in handy. Oh, oh that sounds like a Kyle. This is a Kyle Jones joke. <laughs> oh, but you know, if they did, it might be like a you know a whole kind of crisis of met, <laughs> of meta proportions. Who knows? Good, good <laughs> so we we you know the Sidoraks are running away. They're leaving, and the doctor has saved the day. They return to the ground, and oh well, well, well yeah, go before, ahead. You, before we get to that point, we have to mention. And, and again, Lee mentioned earlier, go from a whimsical time to a very serious and dark moment. Uh, the, the moment the doctor says, no second chances. I'm that sort of man. Oh, that Ooh. hit hard. That yeah. hit hard. Yeah. yeah, I love that, actually. And it, and it appears that he's completely involved in talking about the silly thing he's talking about, about what going through your Christmas stocking is like. And then, poof. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> On a dime, he switches. Exactly. <laughs> That's the kind of man I am. Yeah, and we'll get that again in school reunion. I know I, we keep talking about school reunion because we're eager to get to it, but it's it's a thing that always impressed me about that is the doctor says to uh, you know the, the 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 bad guy in that he says I'm going to give you one warning and this is it. <laughs> you know, mm. it's like yeah. you're going to get one chance and it's happening right now. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, mm. I always love that. So do do we feel like Tenet is especially early on here is more of an ultimatum type of guy versus Eccleston, um, Eccleston. He, I mean that. Of course, I knew that moment was coming, but it, it still really, it was very weighty to me. Yeah, we. I thought it was a surprise. Yeah, mm-hmm. no second chances. Like, well, that's big. That's big. Yeah, no second chances. Hmm. hmm. Yeah. I, I I have an opinion, but I'm I'm, I'm going to hold my opinion to another hmm. point. Just a little bit late. Later, okay. uh, but 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 I do have an answer uh, to your question, Clarence. But I want to hold it to 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 something else. But I do have an answer. While we're talking about this part of the show, I want to mention um, for uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to Galaxy fans out there, um, like uh, Lewis Church, Lewis Trapani, and me and many others, um, 
we we know that um, part of the, the, the one of the icons of that show is that um, uh, Arthur Dent gets sent off on all of his adventures while he's still in his pajamas and his bathrobe, <laughs> and so he he ends up traveling the galaxy like that. So um, when the doctor says, you know, not bad for a man as Jim Jams, very Arthur Dent, and then he says, nice fellow, which talk about making things canon that seems to plant uh hitchhiker in the doctor who universe <laughs> if, if arthur dent is a real person that he's met and yeah um and it's not the first time they've done it um there's a book that's referenced in hitchhiker and uh in uh in one of the uh the stories written by douglas adams uh, in the classic series we, we actually saw the fourth doctor reading that book ah uh, that's cool so yeah <laughs> that's cool yeah, it's called the history of the universe, and and he says, and he's he 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 starts reading. He says, "Ha, wrong on the first page." <laughs> uh, why didn't they ask somebody who was there? Oh boy! Uh, but anyway, but yeah, but since the Earth is destroyed in the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, it can't literally be part of the Doctor Who universe. But anyway, <laughs> or maybe it's the other way around. But I so that's another one of those things. It's like, okay, well, like, did we just make that canon, or yeah. What? Or is he pulling her leg or you know, what? Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? So we already mentioned, you know, Harriet making the decision that we did. I mean, that, that she did. So we've gotten that. But but let's talk just for a moment about the doctor's interaction. And we're, t- you know, mentioning going from whimsical to dark. This was one of those moments to where he turns around and immediately is like, what did you do? You know, why did you do this? And he talks about, uh, you know, I could bring you down with one word. And she responds, you're the most remarkable man I know, but I don't think you're capable of that. What did you guys think of that interaction? Clarence, what do you think? Oh, man. Um, I don't know. I don't. Did he say six words? Yeah, but well, well, then he, he responds yeah. to her and says, no, you're right. Not a single word, just six. Uh, yeah. Um, you know what? I, I thought it was a dark, but still he kind of was just fooling around with her at the same time to make her, um, kind of frantic and crazy, which we saw that from the next scene. She was still kind of frantic. <laughs> um, they were asking about a medical, medical condition in the press conference that followed. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, what do you guys think? Lee, what do you I, think? I, I've always liked this because it, 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 it at least, comments on this uh this reality in, in contemporary politics that uh, public image is public policy and that we have to think of our leaders as being invulnerable so um so just once the word starts getting just once people start whispering uh, oh, don't you think she looks tired wow oh yeah <laughs> and then people start to see it whether it's there or not wow you're right wow she's she's probably got cancer now somebody said that yeah. and so then somebody else repeats it and, and on and on and on it goes and uh, it doesn't always work, <laughs> but um, but yeah, I, I think leaders have been toppled with the with less. And um, yeah, I, I just always thought it was a it was a deft bit of writing. It's a, it's a nice little idea that he could whisper six words to somebody, and then the, before the day is out, people are talking about a, yeah. a vote of no confidence. Yeah. So he did it. He said, I, "I can I can bring you down." He did it. So much for the golden age. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And interesting how back to the swapping from dark to happy, he just immediately turns around and it's, you know, hey, family, happy again. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I was I was watching that this time, too, and thinking, yeah, wow, the doctor and I mean, Rose and Jackie and Mickey, they all just turned their backs on the prime minister, too. Um, 
you know, the, the, that's where their loyalties lie. It's like, well, if the doctor thinks so, then that's what we think so too. So it, it, I found it interesting how in this episode, that whole tension between you're taking my daughter away and the doctor, you know, still being the doctor, but I just found that so interesting that it just dissolved and, and, and this, this relationship between the doctor and Jackie completely metamorphosized. Mm-hmm. She got to take care of him. And, uh, yeah. I, I yeah. thought that was really nice. And when, when she's sort of, when she's sort of mothering him, well, she, she falls asleep at his bedside, which I think is, is just a beautiful little moment. Um, and she's calling him sweetie and baby and mopping his brow. Yeah, it, it does. It changes you. It all happens because you have a heartthrob. That's why. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but her relationship uh, as compared to the last doctor, she and I think Mickey as well definitely seem to have a, a from the onset a different relationship. Um, the same, but but more uh, intimate, uh, especially from this moment that you know Ali just said where they're helping him and they're basically taking care of him. They've They've now been on an adventure with them. Um, and I, I think that's uh, really important as to why they've become so close. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah. and not defending the doctor in any way, but the ninth doctor, his approach, regardless of what his intentions were, his approach to Jackie, his approach to Mickey made them, in my opinion, feel that they were in, in, in consequential to him Mm -hmm. yeah you know rose was rose was why he was there and they were just the byproducts they were just the scenery to some degree but this doctor treated them not as equal to rose but as you know they he gave consideration to them that i don't think the ninth doctor did well, he bothers to call Mickey by his right name. Correct. <laughs> and, 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 yeah. and just being acknowledged. I mean, from Mickey's yeah. perspective, you know, he's not being ignored. He's not being like Ricky and just the byproduct. He's being, you know, named Mickey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, right. so I think that, I think that was, um, monumental in my, in my opinion. But, it is. Yeah. But Clarence. It's a big change. To get to, um, what you said earlier, you know, and I said that I was going to hold my thoughts of, of this doctor to a specific scene. I didn't watch the last 10 minutes of this episode because I ran out of time last night until probably about 645. So I had watched this, you know, like fresh right before we got ready to record. So in that last 10 minutes, we see the scene where the doctor goes to the wardrobe and is, you know, finding what he's wearing and whatever. And as he's going through, not only am I seeing the final fourth doctor scarf, I'm seeing him pick out everything. And I just happened to notice myself, not notice what, uh, you know, the doctor was doing, but I've noticed myself. And I was sitting here literally grinning from ear to ear with this probably <laughs> goofy grin on my face. And I was, th- so it made me think this was the moment that I felt like this was, m- and, and I, I realize and remember now why I was so distraught when Tennant left. This was like my doctor. You know how Tom Baker for the originals was my doctor. This was my doctor in that moment. The whole throwing the Satsuma, the, the hitting the button, 
you know, all of that. This was my doctor. So that's that's kind of my take on David Tennant in this particular episode. He had me sold, obviously, within 15 minutes. So my two cents. So what did you guys think? No, no, nope. I had, I had the same experience. I remember it back on that Christmas, and I and I felt it again the last time I watched this. I just, yeah, it was, it's just almost like punching the air, you know, when he's in there picking out his, his outfit, and he puts it all together, and he looks smashing, and he said, yes! Yeah. And uh, it's, um, yeah, and uh, that look on Rose's face when he comes in, <laughs> yeah, it's just, uh, yeah, it's just great. So, so what about, great. what about you, Clarence? What did you think? Um, I have to say, I don't, I don't think for me, I don't think this was the moment I realized, you know, if if this was, in fact, my doctor um, as a, a new who person at the time, I was still trying to understand the whole regeneration thing and how that worked. So uh, from my if I remember correctly, from my point of view, when I originally watched it, I, I, I was just, you know, on board for the journey. But I was still trying to figure out how this whole thing actually worked which they did, they did a good job in this episode but i have to admit he he did come out looking rather dapper uh heartthrob for the ladies and um and the glasses i love the glasses so yes yes <laughs> that, was, that was extra touch mm-hmm. so, so i'm gonna go back to memory lane a little bit and this is one of the episodes that i remember when you said, oh, well, you know, I'm probably going to be able to watch a couple of episodes this weekend or a week or whatever. This was one of the ones where I was looking forward to the next time you came up to me and said, hey, you know, I've watched some more and being able to. I don't remember what you said about it this many years later, but th- this was one of the ones that was like, OK, I can't wait till he watches this one. Yeah, <laughs> I can well imagine. Yeah, and this is a very different viewing because I I was I was watching many at one time, so uh, I can't imagine ha- having to wait another week to watch the next. One. <laughs> you know, I kind of watched the uh, the Bad Wolf on to uh, the next episode and this episode. Just I mean, right after each other, uh, right. so very different viewing experience. I, I'm enjoying now actually. You know, I'm I'm taking a little more time with them and letting them settle in my psyche a little bit more, which which is a different experience. Bingo. Bingo. Yeah. So we see at the end, of course, you know, the doctor and Rose go off together. This is back practically the end. We see them looking into the skies and planning to go away. So I think this would be a good time for me to ask the two of you, are there any other points in this episode before we give our final rating that I've not mentioned that you guys have made notes that think, okay, you want to mention. So have at it. Any other Hmm. points? Wow. Makes me wish I'd taken notes. (laughs) I'm sure there are, but they're not, they're not leaping to my mind now, but, um, um, I, I guess while we're talking about the doctor's wardrobe, I did want to say that this is that moment that I hope everybody remembers if we ever see um, the 13th doctor's wardrobe. Um, because, yes. yeah, because several people have said, you know, yeah. if if she's got a wardrobe closet, people are going to say, well, of course she has a wardrobe closet. And the rest of us are going to say there's always been a wardrobe closet. So knock it off. But anyway. Yeah, Lee, but hers is full of shoes. <laughs> exactly. I did not see I'm sorry, any shoes. I'm sorry. <laughs> and pink Sonic uh, glasses, remember? I the pink, the pink Sonic, yeah. Well, you're oh. right. I, I love that. Uh, I love that CG or painting or whatever it is of uh, the doctor's wardrobe there. But yeah, I didn't see any shoes. So, yeah. <laughs> Funny. 
Uh, All right. <laughs> so, Clarence, did you have any uh, topics before? Uh, nothing at all, sir. All right. So before we get into our, uh, you know, final reviews, I do want to mention a couple of things. One is about this episode. It actually is one of the final, the final ratings on this one was 9.84 million. And it was the highest episode of the 10th Doctor era up until the Voyage of the Damned, which achieved 13.8 million. And I believe that was Oh, probably 2007 or eight. Um, so very high figures, uh, for this particular episode. The other thing that I wanted to mention was we made a reference in Bad Wolf to wondering why the ratings for that one were so low. So our friend yeah. Dave Cooper actually replied on Twitter and he says that Bad Wolf was up against, uh, Match of the Day, live football, which is soccer, of course. Women's Euro, England versus Sweden. And there was a tennis match on, but it was Queen's Club tennis, and it was prior to Wimbledon. So that was what was going up against uh, Bad Wolf. So might have had impact on, you know, the overnight and final ratings for that particular episode. Mm, might explain it. So, gentlemen... And I'm going to go first this time. So I, I know I always <laughs> seem to have a habit of going last. So Pizza I'm going to fire. Yes, I'm going to go first. So this time I'm going to start with giving it a solid because of David Tennant, five out of five. There you go. Ah, ah. And uh, I will echo that, sir. Uh, five out of five. Loved it. All yep. Right. Me too. Me too. This is one of my favorite hours of Doctor Who ever from 1963 to the present i love wow. the christmas invasion so much yeah five wow so much fun yeah it was yeah. and it's often been rated as one of the best if not the best of all christmas episodes doctor mm -hmm. yeah yeah i love the runaway bride too and we'll we'll we'll, we'll talk about that in its turn <laughs> yeah, yeah I, and i would say that i'm glad i was wrong uh, when, whenever we get to that. So I was glad I was wrong. So, <laughs> um, so why don't we go around the room or go around the virtual, uh, TARDIS console and, um, say what else we're working on as kind of in closing. And Mr. Shackelford, I think I'll let you take that one first. Thank you, sir. Recording has begun. Clarence can attest <laughs> on, the, on the next season of relativity. We really are recording things. Um, it's still going to take a while to put enough together to actually air an episode, but, um, yeah, we're, we're, we're getting closer all the time. So people who are more, who are interested in knowing more about that. And I know there are some can find it out. It, everything they need to know at relativitypodcast.com. All right, Mr. Clarence Brown, where might else you be found? Ah, uh, yes. If you into Star Trek, in particular, Star Trek Discovery, uh, you can check out a podcast I have with Kyle Jones, among others. It is called Discussing Trek, and you can find out about that show at DiscussingTrek.com. Cobains. So anyone who is listening to this and is also a fan of YouTube and uh, likes watching videos on YouTube, you can check out our YouTube channel, which is at youtube.discussingwho.com. And you can always send us feedback by going to Facebook. So go to facebook.com slash discussing who and send us some feedback. We'll either read it or play it on the show. So 
Gentlemen, I appreciate you uh, helping me with this Christmas invasion. And for anyone listening, we are glad that you have been listening with us. We welcome you back next time. And so until next time, we are out of here. You've been listening to the Discussing Who podcast. Discussing Who is made by fans for fans. No copyright infringement is intended. Show us your fans of the show by liking us on Facebook, following us on Twitter. You can find us on the web at www.discussingwho.com. Want more Discussing Who? Find us on iTunes, Google Play Music, Player FM, the Doctor Who Podshock Alliance, and more. Send us your feedback to discussingwho at gmail.com, or if you'd like, simply record a voice message and send that to us via your smartphone, tablet, or computer. We want to hear from you. Discussing Who is brought to you by Audible. You've probably heard of Audible, but just in case, they are the world's leading provider of audiobooks. They have more than 180,000 titles. Let me say that again. 180,000 titles to choose from. Imagine a genre. They've got an audiobook. And these files play on smartphones, Kindles, tablets, in fact, over 500 different devices. Now, for fans of Discussing Who, Audible is offering a free download when you start a new Audible subscription. And you can choose anything at all from that vast library. But we know you want to get one of their absolutely fantastic Doctor Who titles, which include New Adventures of the Doctor, but also Torchwood and River Song. And they're performed for you by actors you know and love. Wonderful voices, Tom Baker, Alex Kingston, David Tennant. The list goes on and on. So try it out for 30 days. And if at the end of the month you decide Audible is not for you, you still get to keep that Doctor Who book you downloaded. So look at it this way. Free Doctor Who book. So here's how you get started. Point your favorite web browser to audibletrial.com slash discussing who. That's audible trial, all one word, A-U-D-I-B-L-E-T-R-I-A-L dot com slash discussing who. Also one word. And that's how you get your free book. What could be better than that?